Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine is brought to you by iHeartRadio. My name is Kristen Nobles, and today is November 1st. This week's episode is about the psychological impact of breast implant illness. There are no words to describe what I went through in 23 years of chronic illness. The anxiety, depression, helplessness, fear, all of them moments of being rejected, told that they couldn't help me, the disease wasn't real. That left me feeling like I was crazy. It left me ready to give up. There were times where I carried so much guilt and shame, I didn't know how I was going to move forward. But then I started to do my research and realized the injustice in what we're going through. And ironically, then I became a fighter. I started to meet other women and realized that we were not alone that this was not our fault, this was nothing we chose. And I started to develop a plan to hopefully turn all of my pain into a sense of purpose. And becoming part of this community made me a strong, determined, passionate woman who wasn't going to allow this to happen to other people. So honestly, having BII nearly took my life, but it also made me the woman I've become and allowed me to be noble. Christine, today we're talking about the emotional impact of breast implant illness, a debilitating chronic disease. It varies from patient to patient, but the fallout is intense and patients can be triggered by the financial, physical, and psychological impacts the disease has on them. I know firsthand this can decimate you emotionally, and I want to find out how real survivors avoid the shame, guilt, and downward spiral that so often accompanies a mysterious long-term illness. Well, Kristen, I mean, you've been sick now for almost 20 years, and it's not just like, oh, I'm not feeling good, or I have a headache, or a stomachache, or I don't feel like getting out of bed today. I mean, you spent over a thousand days and nights in a hospital. That's over three years. 
And you've had body parts taken out and bionic parts put in. I mean, every system in your body has been affected. How is it that you stay so upbeat and hopeful? You know, when I first found out what was happening to me, I was angry. Then I started to realize it was time to take control of the situation and not only help myself, but see if we could help other people using whatever talent tenacity I could muster up. The process of grieving and accepting that my implants were killing me was brutal. However, once I turned my shame into fuel, I started to realize I wanted to fight not only for my life, but the women out there who had no idea what was happening to them. I started to truly believe that through telling our stories, we could turn all this pain into a purpose that could literally save lives. And that is all very noble, Kristen. But during all of this, you not only have to deal with all the debilitating effects of being chronically ill, but also that the doctors have misdiagnosed you, they've accused you of being drug-seeking, they've gaslit you, telling you it's all in your head. Yes, even as recently as this past summer, I was gaslit when I met with a top plastic surgeon and sat there listening to him tell me that BII does not exist. Then I shared I was diagnosed by his colleague and he still refused to treat me. I was so deflated, but thanks to the encouragement of my other doctors, I found another surgeon, but it cost me significant healing time. And he was my, quote, in-network doctor. So I know firsthand how this can be defeating, which leads many of us to feel helpless and want to give up. I almost did. As we've heard from other women who have survived and thrived, it really requires you to have an unstoppable self-esteem and be diligent with your research and yourself until you find that doctor who can and will treat you. Yeah, you've really put yourself out there, Kristen. I mean, helping other women find out that this is real. And uh, I've seen you get trolled on social media. I mean, being accused of bringing this all on yourself, being told that this is the price you pay for your vanity. I mean, how do you stay on track? I mean, how do you persevere regardless of how you're feeling emotionally? I mean, you're on a mission to help women and to save lives. I mean, what keeps you going? I mean, what is your secret? And how is it that you don't take all those people out? Well, to the trolls, I just invoke my Southern charm and say, bless their heart. <laughs> I know you were <laughs> raised in New York. South of Canada. But seriously, <laughs> many people have bought into this dogma that allowed this to become an epidemic in the first place. I am still shocked at the amount of people who don't know about BII or any of the other risks associated with breast implants. Many of these people still think silicone was revolutionized and somehow made it safe back on the market. So when I share about people like Sybil Goldrich, who've been fighting for the black box warning for over 40 years and how this came to be, I find that eventually as people hear how painful this is and how we were not given full disclosure, that's when we get people to show compassion and truly destigmatize this disease. Now, I know we have exciting news about the black box warnings, but let's save that for after the interview. So, to continue, have you lost any friends over this? Yes, many. Unfortunately, in this community, we've lost way too many people to the disease or the emotional impact. And I'm also very lonely at times and have had to distance myself from people who didn't understand what I was going through. One of the hardest things about this disease is how isolated you feel because until recently, this wasn't widely recognized or even really talked about. And the irony for me is it was social media that made this more widely recognized and allowed us as women to meet each other to collaborate. 
Now, I'm part of a community of amazing men and women that are all advocating for full disclosure, the Medical Device Safety Act, and they've been there to help me navigate this unknown road and allowed me to feel and heal. Again, it seems like you all really rely on each other, and that's what's inspiring. On that note, who do we get to talk to you with today? Eden Sassoon. We all recognize her name, but it's her as an advocate that's the true story here. She is a mom, a beauty icon, and supporter to many. She is also a thoughtful, strong woman who has helped me a lot. And we all know she grew up in extraordinary circumstances and is really redefining beauty. She's a BII survivor and also out there sharing her story on the front lines, helping women and men emotionally overcome so many issues. Eden is still battling BII, and I'm really curious to hear how she maintains her fight. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. All right, so Eden Sassoon, thank you so much for joining us on Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine. Today, I want to talk to you a bit about what you've been doing in the beauty industry for change and your personal journey with breast implant illness. Do you mind sharing a bit with the listeners about what you've been through physically, emotionally, and financially with BII? Mm, of course. 
course. And first, I'd like to thank both of you for, for thinking of me and for having me. Oh, I just got the chills. It's a heavy topic. It's uh, life changing. And, you know, we as women, we kind of just, depending on where you're at, don't take it that serious um, until the body really kind of says, hey, 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 are you listening to me? <laughs> um, and sometimes, you know, it's too late. Uh, not too late, but you're past the point of sort of what life was like prior to breast implants. And I was 19 and realizing like, wait, wait, I don't look like my mom and my sister. And I have these little boobs and my nipples are kind of pointy. And I remembered I would use the word torpedo, you know, torpedo tits. And then, haha, funny. No, it wasn't funny. So it really started to, to eat at me. And why wasn't I like all these other women? Come to find out my mom and my sister had implants and I never knew. And at that point, I just wanted to feel like a lady, a, a lady, <laughs> say that at 48. At that point, maybe I just wanted to feel sexy. Maybe I wanted to be this five, three and three quarter girl with an okay body, but always trying to be better and, you know, living under the Sassoon name. And I wanted to just have some breasts. And so I did. I went to my father and I said, hey, of course, go to the man that says, you know, beauty is if you don't look good, we don't look good and say, I don't feel like I'm enough. And he'll say, OK, well, let's let's talk about this. So he did go about it in, in the right way. Thank you, dad, because I know you're listening and questioned like, OK, why do you want it? You know, how is it going to make you feel? wear this padded bra for a week. It was really sort of exterior stuff because I don't know that at the time we could all get to the root of why do you want to put something that doesn't belong in your body, in your body to look a certain way, to in turn feel a certain way, to make people respond to you in a different way. And we could go on and on and on and on about that when you're changing the reality or the, the ideas of male, female response, you know, love, what does it mean? You know, I, I go to all different levels. So long story short, for, for right this second, he said, yes, I went to his best friend. He was Dr. Stephen Zacks at the time. And I said, doctor, what would you do if I was your daughter? Well, he had three sons. And I, he said, here, you know, sign your life away. Here's the silicone implant. I, I wanted the boobs. Nothing was going to stop me. As someone who is an icon in the beauty business, and you also do so much in beauty for change, I feel you on the pressure. And I think you touched on something that's so important with every woman going through this is that just because you chose the implants, Eden, we all know we didn't choose this disease. So you've been sick for a long time, right? Like this wasn't... No, you know, it started, I was 19. So it started somewhat immediately. Um, my sister passed in 02. So if we do the math on that, that was eight, nine years. Maybe I would imagine around six years-ish things started to break. And it started with anxiety and depression. I had a sense of anxiety or just growing up in this big world and in this interesting family um, with a lot of isms around me, alcohol, drug. So there was always this, I know that there's more to this life. I know that, you know, always in search of uh, a quest, curiosity. And then sort of when you invite, you know, the powers that be, the universe, the, the things that sort of aren't in alignment with your body or your soul in like deeply in, that changes everything. I mean, we could talk about it in a scientific way, which I'm not a scientist, so I choose not to, but in a, in a physical sort of energetic way, you are cutting open your chest, which is right next to your heart, and you are placing bags of silicone, I, meaning I, 
placed bags of silicone in my body by my heart and asked it to protect me for as long as you possibly can. And it did its job until it couldn't do its job anymore. And these doctors, now I'm not placing blame on anyone, but someone at some point has got to take responsibility for this because like I said, I'm not a scientist. I don't know that. Okay, well, I'm not a doctor. I don't know it. Well, the more that they see and the more that's happening and the more that's unfolding, somebody has to be like, okay, let me speak up. So we women who are struggling and going through this and doing our best to to come through it and reaching out to all other women that are going through it and supporting them in any way possible are having to do it. And I sort of just wish that this I'm kind of going off in a different direction here. Feel free to bring me back if you need to. But this, the powers that be in what area and how much of this, this is the green that, that keeps this going on and this illness continuing, it's just unacceptable. And then how much is it in society and what we place on women and how we buy into it that we need to look a certain way? Like that is enough, enough. The emotional impact this has on every woman is that rabbit hole of questions of how we bought into a perception of beauty. And emotionally to accept in a place that I am enough, which is something you said a few minutes ago. I literally wrote that down because I am enough is the number one thing you have to accept, in my opinion, to move forward to treatment. Because now we're going back and saying, we made a mistake. They didn't tell me the truth. I want these out. And emotionally, that's a major moment. And so do you mind sharing with the listeners what you did to deal with the anxiety and depression during this process? Because it doesn't get cured overnight. It's an ongoing feeling. No, it doesn't get cured and it's still not cured. And it's definitely progress, um, consistent daily progress. So this happened, you know, in let's say O2 prior to that. Um, I didn't I didn't know what was going on and I didn't realize, of course, remember the body's starting to break down for trying to protect itself, then outside things are happening, like my sister is overdosing and she's dying, and then my best friend has cancer and is dying. Well, obviously the stress on, on that with the body. So I'm, I, I don't realize that I can't handle this all because of course I can handle everything. No, I can't. And at that point I had to get on medication. Um, and that's a very fine line for me because I've tried a number of times to get off of the antidepressants. And hey, if it works for me, and it keeps me in a stable place that I'm going to stay there. Um, and if it doesn't, then, I, you know, again, I, I've, I'm sober nine years. So I chose to get alcohol out of my life because it wasn't managing manageable. I exercise sometimes to a fault. It could be a little bit of it ism, but I have learned to slowly steady, take it steady, you know, slow and steady wins this race. Eden, don't don't keep pushing it because then in turn, which thank you implants, my thyroid, you know, gave out at a certain point. And I've been on medication for that for six, seven years. And so I'm just going to cry right now. <laughs> well, and honestly, Eden, right there to stop you, the level of personal strength, acceptance and adaption that you've been through and the openness about your emotional, your physical and self-medicating through this process is not something unfortunately unique to you. And I think that as all women, we go through depression. If we have things like that and your advocacy there to allow women to come to a place and men and say, listen, I need to change, not beating yeah. the shit out of themselves. And as women in this issue, we're all beating ourselves up when, like you said, the energy needs to be directed towards the education, information and full disclosure to know what this really is. Right. Like I think the unknown part of this causes huge anxiety 
And I think for you, I've never once looked at you and stared at your chest, first and foremost. I look at this amazing, beautiful woman who is funny and vivacious and out there motivating others while you're also motivating yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I somehow... I somehow and today when like I said to you a lot of women do reach out to me on on Instagram and and anyone who's listening you always can because sometimes I figure a lot of time they just want to be heard they just want to talk to someone who's done it they just I mean I literally sort of I, I I don't go in lightly I do go in with the truth and I do say oh my god congratulations welcome to your life like it's kind of like when you're like, I'm getting a divorce and you're like, oh, no, you're like, yay, congratulations. You know, like people, oh, this is so sad. No, 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 no. Welcome to the you that you've been looking for for however many years. She's about to come back and go figure. You know, I've been searching and searching. And searching. I always have this book title for when I get, you know, really up there, like in search of Eden. It's always in search of Eden. Well, I'm on another path. Like there's a little more in there that's got to come out. So I get more sort of open and and capable and willing and vulnerable and whatever that looks like. Being part of this community of women has given me a sense of purpose in my pain where I've met people that through the law of attraction, I would want in my everyday life. What would you give women as advice as they try to get through their day? And what's the self-talk that Eden Sassoon has that really gives her that attitude that is building you as a thriver and a survivor? Great question. And I was listening to Dr. Ammon this this morning and he was talking about the positive thinking. He's like, you know, and he's a brain doctor. I'm not too into the positive thinking. I'm really into the acceptance of what is and then sort of moving through that, like really being present. And I'm, I'm very much into like the Joe Dispenser way of like, all right, look, this is how I've been programmed. This is up until, you know, 19 got the boobs and then up here, you're not good enough. So let's do this surgery or all these things like, OK, but today is a beautiful day. So of course that's your program Eden but it doesn't have to be so look in the mirror and and I I do and I I see my eyes and and I I energetically have to shift it cuz we can use these words and and yes they are helpful but I look in the mirror and I can see my shoulders lift and broaden and the energy lift off me and it's almost like there is my avatar right there is your avatar that avatar doesn't have these silicone bags in. Can you imagine that avatar running with those amazing long legs like a gazelle with like big implant? No, 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 no. She's free. She's alive. I don't even know if we call her she, whatever that energy is. She's just so powerful. So I, I shift it from just these thoughts because it's almost like how many times you have to go sit on the therapist couch like and talk? No, no, no. Let's take action. Let's move this energy. Let's shift it. Let's get in there. Let's reprogram because that's what it is. Your brain is trying to protect you, but it doesn't know any better. So find someone that it can kind of, you know, work with that you can, uh, for me, start to reprogram this, this, this uh, outdated program, to say the least, and get to this energetic place of how, how am I healthy? How do I give this energy so the guy, woman being next to me can be like, ooh. What is the, what is that? Where is she coming from? Oh my God, I, I just want to be, I want to sit in it, you know? Or how she's feeling a certain way and I kind of come by and I give her a smile and and that person's maybe five minutes, I don't know, one second changes. They're like, they feel lighter. You know, how is it that I can shift my energy to be of service to another human being, whether it's implants, isms, food, addiction, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, we go through it, we struggle. This life is not easy, but we do have choices. 
that's what we're all asking for, right? We want people to tell other women what the risk is financially, physically, and emotionally if they make this jump into implant land. You've dealt with the anxiety, the depression, the emotional impact. Do you feel that you have a little PTSD going into the medical system after all this, if you don't mind me asking? A hundred percent. I can't, I don't even know what to say about that. A hundred percent. I don't know who to trust. I don't know who to turn to. I don't know. I mean, you really have to be your own advocate and, and, and do the work. Like you're a soldier on the ground with full weapons going in. Like, I'm going to figure this out with other people's, you know, point of views. Because maybe hopefully they've studied well enough or have some sort of internal compass, moral compass that will lead you in the right direction. I seek out Eastern and Western doctors. And somewhere in the middle of both of them, when my head is spinning upside down, do this, don't do this, do this, I listen to my gut. And I come to a place, freedom within myself. And you will start to, the answers will come. And you will walk the path of least resistance. I know that's, you know, used, but it's the truth. You take time out of every day to be there and support others emotionally. And as someone who's gone through it, who pays forward the support, what would you give as advice to family members, friends, newly, you know, friends of newly diagnosed people? What do you recommend they do to be a pillar of support to someone they know that's currently being diagnosed and about to jump off this ledge? A lot of friends and family members do reach out to me or if I'm at like, you know, my hormone, wherever I am, someone always says, hey, hey, my friend or my sister or my my wife, whatever it may be, is going through this. And they and they question. I said, hey, reach out. I'm so maybe as a family member or a friend or a significant other or whatever that looks like, you find somebody who you maybe trust so you can kind of be involved and say, hey, I saw, you know, let's just use me example I, or you, you know, like I saw so-and-so and it seems that this is what she's going through and maybe, you know, you can reach out or I asked and I think just getting, getting curious about it, um, being open and vulnerable with them and then ominously just sitting there and kind of shutting up and allowing them to go through their process. But you being some sort of ground, you know, some sort of pillar because it's, it's not easy. And, and yes, it can be done. And yes, it's being done all the time. And yes, all these beautiful, strong women's stories are coming out and we're getting through it. And we're all there to support you guys who are going through it. And I'm going through it again. And I, we're, we're here, we're doing the work. So I think as a family member um, or friend, just be present and just sort of maybe just kind of like, you know, I would take that energy, shift it off me, listen to them where they're at. Say, what can I what can I do for you today? How can I make today a little easier on on your journey? Um, I mean, and that's really, really and just listen. And to be there to encourage people not to give up, to listen to us and allow us to not be OK, but to know not to quote pink, that we're broken, but still beautiful. And that's. Yes. We can do this. And I think for a lot of people, the anxiety of the unknown turns into aggression and it turns into anger. And there's a big fear of rejection. So I will say, I guess my last, last question is, you know, this fear of rejection we all have, you've embraced that. And I think this idea of I am enough, was there a moment when you realized that, fuck this, I'm no longer afraid of being rejected. I'm afraid of not loving myself because I see you live that truth every day. 
I want to go back to that day when I was walking down and I got the download, like, get the breasts out. It's not your heart. Get the breasts out. It's not your heart. Get the breasts out. And I just literally, like, when I ripped open my chest and they cut him and put these bags in, I, I energetically saying to the doctor, hey, can you take, I was ripping open my chest, like, get these out. I need to feel my fucking heart. And at that moment, I was on this new path, like, oh, my whole body has the chills. Um, so for me, when that whole shift was happening, my it's as if my heart just like, shoo, it was like encompassed me and everybody else. And it was happy, joy, free. Let's let's go. And, 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 and I'm still there. And yet I'm like, OK, there's a little more something going on. You got to just sort of. All right. Hey, I, I, I I'm ready for more love. I'm ready for more, you know bring it. Let's do this. I'm not going to give up. And I know I got you and I got others. And, and at the end of that day, I get to then pay that forward. So if I'm here to learn all these lessons, to be able to pay it forward to other women, to hold their hand, to cry with them to, and vice versa, then, then you know what? My last breath, I'm, I'm a hundred percent enough, hundred percent enough. So Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. 
Wow, she is such an inspiration and a reminder that the best medicine for this disease is compassion. Well, based on that conversation, Kristen, I think we have a new tagline. If these don't feel good, we don't look good. (laughs) You should turn that into a T-shirt. Chris, already on it. She is such an inspiration and so brave. Talk about somebody who grew up with the icons of beauty and is out there speaking her truth. Really redefining what it means to be beautiful. I look forward to seeing what's next for her and following where her journey takes her. And next, we have another extraordinary guest, the Reverend Tawana Davis. I know. If you want to meet an angel and advocate, it's Miss Tawana Davis. Not only is she a reverend, but also just successfully defended her Ph.D. and is Harlem Strong battling metastatic breast cancer and BII. The advocacy work she is doing is changing history. And through her work, women will have the education and options they need to make the best choice for their diagnostic, treatment, and reconstructive processes. It is so important to honor, educate, and empower all women, but particularly those in the African-American community, because as people should know, one in eight women will face breast cancer. But in the African-American community, those women, they face a 31% mortality rate, which is higher than any other racial or ethnic group. Absolutely, and that's ridiculous. And taking all that into consideration, breast implant illness and breast cancer go hand in hand because obviously reconstruction. So through her work, she's lobbying to destigmatize the C word, leading by example and preserving via her faith. She's also sharing her story and has helped many people who now face their fear of being diagnosed and treated. Today we have Tawana Davis, and I want to thank you so much for joining Christine and I on Close to the Chest. I think you are exactly the type of woman that we need to talk to that has not only been through the experience, which I'd love you to share more about, but the way you've turned this into a sense of purpose and persevered, I think will not only be an inspiration for the listeners, but a sort of guidebook. And I want to start by asking you if you mind sharing a bit with our listeners about your experience with breast implant illness. Sure, sure. I was diagnosed with metastatic, HER2 positive metastatic breast cancer in November of 2016. So through the treatment plan, I decided to do reconstructive surgery. And because of other issues that were happening, I I needed the textured implants. Like it wasn't really a choice. So when I received the textured implants, I was never told of any risks outside of the normal surgical risks or bleeding risks because I'm on blood thinners, so on and so forth. So when I did some some research, because I try to keep up with what's going on because I'm an advocate, not only for myself, but to teach others to be advocates for themselves because it's your body, your choice. So the doctors aren't always the do all be all end all. Sometimes you gotta look elsewhere for answers. So my daughter, who went with me to every appointment, found this issue, if you will. Again, we didn't know it was called something. So she found this issue with textured implants. So in the midst of that, I had a recurrence. They found another small um, mass and they were going to remove it. And in the midst of doing an ultrasound or whatever, I had a fluid in my breast. And I said, well, what is that? And they kind of dumbed it down a bit, like, and I had an amazing team in Denver. And they said, oh, you know, the textured implants may cause lymphoma. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, lymphoma? 
Isn't that cancer? I already have cancer. Why would I want textured implants and be at risk of another cancer, which is clearly not breast cancer? And I, I got to stress that it's another cancer that you would have to deal with. So I said, OK, wait, let's back up a bit. I have these textured implants. You want me to keep them in the hopes that I don't get breast implant illness absolutely unacceptable. So before we can even get to the official diagnosis, which that's the direction we were going in because I did have fluid um, between my skin and my breast implants, I said, you know what? You're going in to remove this mask. I need you to go in and remove these textured implants because I don't want another form of cancer. Plus I was also prepared for radiation in a couple of months. So I said, give me the tissue expanders because then it'll protect my my heart because my cancer's on my left side. It'll protect my heart and my lungs. So I had to make all these medical decisions. These medical decisions were not recommended to me. These were decisions that my family and I, and I decided to make once we found out about breast implant illness. Once we found that out, we had to change the trajectory of our, our treat, my treatment plan. Recently, I had an appointment and what you just said is so important that these things were not recommended to you. So if you are a woman with fluid around your breast or fluid-filled cysts, what blows my mind is the amount of radiologists specifically. And just to share with our listeners, what Tawana went through is you go in and you have this imaging, and then it's not your, quote, doctor that comes in, right, Tawana? It's a radiologist. And that person comes in and tells you that you have nothing to worry about and that you should not be concerned. And that's just, you know, something that's being researched, but in... And then what really shocks me is what you mentioned is anaplastic large cell lymphoma shows up as a form of fluid and that fluid can leak into your bloodstream. So I am a lymphoma survivor. How did you draw deep to know was it like that they were wrong? Because you were right and that's so powerful, but it's a moment that not everybody gets. I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because it wasn't because of my wonderful, courageous prowess that I just knew to push back and ask these questions. So I have been a, a volunteer or around breast cancer survivors probably since I was around 25, 26 years old. So I knew of support systems. I saw for myself, my stepmom had, has, had breast cancer. My aunt had breast cancer. They're both surviving. They're both doing well. But I was always around a support system, right? So when I was diagnosed, I already had kind of that wherewithal to say, one, I need a support system. Two, I should always ask questions and advocate for myself. And three, when necessary, get a second opinion. And four, do my own research outside of Google. When we go into Google, that's one thing I wanted to share is that there's so much misinformation out there that it's almost a digital roulette of where you end up in your information scape. And so I think having trusted resources, like you said, if you were part of a breast cancer community, you had access, I'm sure, to a lot of advocates. And so for our listeners, I really encourage them to take Tawana's advice, go to the FDA, go to other survivors and people who are dealing with this. People are campaigning to say there's no problem. They're underplaying it. They're saying it's not that big of a deal. And then the other side of it is people saying, holy shit. So you were in the community of people who were probably acknowledging this, correct? Absolutely. And it started with my daughter because my daughter was with me at every single appointment, every treatment, 
every step of the way, every surgery. And I had multiple surgeries, multiple hospital visits. And she just knew to push back and say, wait a minute, what do you mean don't worry? You say cancer and don't worry in the same sentence. That doesn't sit well with me. We knew that we we had to ask the questions and that's what we teach women. I learned it, so I passed that forward to other women. Don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. There are no questions that can be stupid or foolish. Or I, I don't care what the question is. If you have it and it's on your mind, it is important. And that's how you feel and you should speak that because surprisingly you will get the answers. And if they don't have the answers, you can go elsewhere to get the answers. If your doctor is offended, then shame on your doctor. Cause usually doctors are like, no, go get that second opinion. You know, I want you to be well. At least my team of doctors did. They were very supportive with me getting a, a second opinion. One of my questions for you, Tawana, is what did you notice initially as your symptoms with the BII? Nothing really stood out for me in the moment. It was more hindsight, like, oh, no wonder why I was feeling this way or no wonder why I was feeling discomfort. And I was feeling discomfort in both because I had both breasts removed, even though I had the cancer was prevalent in the left breast. I had went on and had both breast removed, bilateral mastectomy because HER2 positive is very aggressive. And so I had grade three. I don't know if our listeners really know, we hear a lot about staging, but grading is just as important or even more important than the staging. So I was at the top grade. So I had to make a decision to have both of my breasts removed to diminish the chance of me having a, a recurrence. So with that, um, I was feeling this discomfort, a, a little swelling. So I asked questions like, you know, what's what's going on? And I think, you know, the recurrence really saved me. I don't know if I would have made that decision if they weren't already going in to take out the mass or if I wasn't feeling that discomfort, they may have given me ice packs or, you know, told me this is a part of the healing process. So I'm ironically grateful for the recurrence that probably ended up saving me from having lymphoma due to the, the textured implants. Well, when you talk about the recurrence, it, that's so powerful because when you do a bilateral mastectomy, how quick after did you do reconstruction? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to try to make this story very, very short. So about three months because we needed about three months of healing time. Because I'm in active treatment, because I am metastatic, I am always receiving chemotherapy. So my, my immune system is always challenged. I'm, I'm always gonna have neuropathy. I'm always gonna have fatigue. I'm always gonna have some, some semblance of nausea. All of that happens just on a regular. So we needed to wait a bit before I got the tissue expanders first and then the implants, because for our listeners, the tissue expanders stretch the skin and the muscle so that they can place the implant into your, your body and your skin will form naturally around the breast implant, which is why I needed the textured implants because they put it on top of my muscle instead of under my muscle. So the textured implants were supposed to like marry my skin so that my breasts will be as natural as, as possible. When I had the bilateral mastectomy, um, so I had the six rounds of chemo where I lost all my hair, my weight, couldn't eat, everything tastes like metal. Three months later, I went in to have the bilateral mastectomy, removing both of my breasts. 
Then I went in for the radiation mapping because they were going to do radiation and they found out that all of my cancer came back. So that was my first recurrence, right? So then I had to then switch doctors because in big pharma, clinical trials just aren't available everywhere. You have to be attached to a certain hospital. So this particular hospital had a clinical trial that really saved my life because that's how aggressive the cancer was. So so I needed to just say that to then bring me to the why it took so long to get the uh, the tissue expanders. And then three months after that, I had the breast implants put in the textured ones. And then a year later, um, I had the recurrence. So we had the textured implants taken out because of the concern about the lymphoma and then tissue expanders put back in because of the radiation. And then we took those out and put in regular smooth implants. But then I had a hematoma and almost bled out. So I said, you know what? Take this shit out. I don't want any foreign things in my body. I already have enough healing juices, if you will. That's what we call them because it's gross. I think chemo sometimes is worse than the cancer itself. But um, I said, take them out. So I'm breastless. I'm I'm breastless. One of the reasons why I wore my Harlem T-shirt today. So you can see I am breastless and I had to embrace that. And that was really hard for me to embrace because being at the time I was diagnosed at 46, I've, I've had my breasts. I've had children. I've, I've done, you know, what I needed to do and um, not to have breasts and, and to look in the mirror every day at these scars. Um, it's hard, but it's also encouraging, one, because I know that I made the right decision to have those textured implants removed, even though it required two additional surgeries, but also because uh, I think it's Rumi, and I think uh, Rumi says this, that, you know, your scars is, is where the light enters. So I take those scars and I embrace the light, you know, the breath that I get to take every day because I didn't have another cancer on top of this aggressive cancer that I have. Well, you are so brave and so open. And first and foremost, you know, you are stunning and radiant. And what I would say to you is that, you know, the Harlem t-shirt rocks, but your heart <laughs> underneath it is what's the pulse of your attitude and what you bring to this community and to all women. And so when you went to these doctors and you started sharing this, what was the support system like for you in making the decision to then remove the second set of implants? You know, my, my doctors were, were very supportive and, and really encouraged me that whatever decision I make is going to be the right decision. Like if, if they offered a treatment plan, if I didn't want that treatment plan, they would remind me, Tawana, this is your decision, your body, your choice. I am offering you options for a treatment plan based on what I know. Cancer is so dynamic and complex and we're still trying to figure out how does this shit happen? Where does it come? Is it environment? Is it food? Is it cultural? Is it this? Is it that? So my doctors um, were very supportive. I mean, I know they didn't tell me about the challenge with the implants. Yes. And I realized that doctors aren't perfect either which is why I, we had to do as a family the research that we needed to do and ask the hard questions. So they were supportive of all the decisions that I made. Like even when they were going to remove the recurrence, the second, the, the mass, my doctor said, remove 
the implants? Uh, yeah. And I said, let me tell you why. I said, because I'm about to go through radiation. I'd rather protect my heart and my lungs than have one breast up here close to my neck and one breast down here because radiation shrinks your skin and your muscles and it damages all the layers of your skin. My left and my right side don't even look the same, even though I don't have breasts. So I told her, I said, that makes sense to me. That That is life-giving to me. So take them out. And she said, okay, we will do it. And yes, that does make sense. And we'll put in the tissue expanders to protect your heart and your lungs, even though I ended up getting radiation pneumonitis anyway, and spent a week in the hospital with this form of pneumonia. But I'm still here. These doctors have delivered all kinds of like really scary news about what's going on in your body and cancer and chemo and radiation and and all this stuff. I mean, how did that affect you and your family? So my daughter was with me during my initial diagnosis and I, I was so, so fortunate um, that I had the type of doctor that sat me down face to face because I hear horror stories about doctors picking up the phone and saying, oh, by the way, you have breast cancer. Okay, talk to you soon. See you at your next appointment. But I had a, a doctor that hugged me and was very um, supportive of me and my daughter. And I don't even remember crying that day. I remember looking at my daughter and the fear on her face, because in our community or culture, we don't even say cancer. We say the C word or people die in silence and you don't find out they have cancer until they die. So for us, the equation cancer and death has that equal sign. So my daughter was devastated and I felt like I needed to be strong and to really tap into my faith in that, in that moment. And then there were moments where I would break down and ask why, you know, I, I can, I was pretty, I've never had surgery before. I've had two healthy children. I never had blood pressure medic. I mean, I'm, I was a healthy person and for this to happen was, was such a surprise. So I went through the whole stages of grief because it's a loss. It's a loss of health. Then the loss of my, my breasts. Then the loss of being around other people. Like at the time, I was an associate pastor at a, a fairly large church. I had to stop going to church because I couldn't be around people because, you know, we want to hug in the church. That's what we do. If we don't get nothing else right in the, in the church, we love to hug. <laughs> so I, I couldn't go because of the my immune system was compromised. So I was wearing a mask before COVID. I was wearing gloves before COVID. I was staying in and out of large crowds before COVID. So COVID just took this thing to the next level where it's even further isolating because I can't even really be around my kids because we don't live in the same household, but we're all vaccinated. Let me just say that. And I did get my booster mm -hmm. shot, but it was very emotional. And I would have times where I would look in the mirror with no hair, no eyebrows, about 50 pounds lighter and look in the mirror and say, who is that? I couldn't see me. Women are strong. Yes. And if I can add to that, strength also comes with weakness or tears or concern. That's what makes us strong. Being able to acknowledge all of that that is going on and then still being able to reconcile all of that and move forward. So I, I'm, I'm a faithful person. I'm a person of faith. 
And people talk about, oh, you shouldn't fear. Just trust, trust, trust. Nah, the universe gave me this, this, this fear so I can do something about it, so I can respond. The challenge is when the fear keeps me stuck. You know, cancer could have kept me stuck, but no, I needed to say, nah, this is not going to get the best of me. I was born and raised in Harlem. I done seen the worst, been through the worst, life at risk, so on and so. I can get through cancer. So with all of those feelings, that what get, that's what gave me the strength to then move forward and the love of my family and the love of my community. I had a very large community because I was a local pastor. So, and I was into, you know, out on the streets protesting when things were happening. And so I had a big village. So that really helped me funnel my emotions, but they were still there. And there were times when I would be in the bed crying and my grandson would come in from school and peek in the room and come and check on me. And he wouldn't say a word. He'll just come in and he'll say, you're okay, Mima? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm okay. And then he would just walk quiet. Those are the things that gave me life and helped me get through all of the emotions that I was feeling, the love that I was feeling really took precedent and took control over all the other feelings that I had to experience. But yes, it is scary. It's frustrating. I was angry. I was pissed off. I was happy to still be alive, happy to have a successful surgery, happy to be on a clinical trial, happy to be with no evidence of disease. So my treatment is working. But yeah, it's still that mixture of a whole bunch of emotions and, and feelings that I still feel to this day, because this can be a lonely journey at times. Well, and you were at this major fork in the road where, and I think this is so important to point out to a lot of people about destigmatizing this disease is that cancer sucks, right? <laughs> and then you're at that fork in a road and you're making a decision and you're offered these implants as an option to get yourself back, right? Like, and we think that's the best choice because they don't sit there and say all of, like you said, they don't give you this full disclosure is what I like to call it about the financial, emotional, and physical risks of that path versus a flap closure or something else. And so another question I have for you is in that moment, did they give you the risks of the texturized implants? Yes, but not the breast illness as a, you know, not that part. How did they miss that part? I, I'm not, I don't understand. But they did tell me of the, the general risks, if you will, and even offered other ways to do reconstructive surgery that I wasn't eligible for because at the time I was 50 pounds lighter and they're like, well, you don't have enough fat on your body to do. And I'm like, what? Are you serious? Is that a thing? Can you like take it from my thighs or something? You know, but they did, you know, look at other plans. But I don't think anyone thought of, well, no, let me say this. At the time, having metastatic disease and being in treatment indefinitely, I'm not sure if the connection was made with what happens to Tawana if she gets these implants? Like this was this general warning, this general side effect list, this general thing. What happens to Tawana who has had an, a serious life-threatening recurrence, 
who has also, she's on chemotherapy indefinitely. She's on blood thinners because I had a DVT because I have the port in my arm, which caused the blood clot. So I'm on blood thinners for the rest of my life, as long as I have this port in my arm. So what happens to Tawana? And I think that's the piece that was missing for me when I was not told about this illness because you didn't think about me and my individual situation and circumstance and the risks that'll happen to me, not in general for women, but to me. And, and that's very unfortunate. Both Eden and Tawana are examples of women who are vibrant and strong and forces to be reckoned with. You are in great company, Kristen. These women are definitely your tribe. They are my tribe and proof that this disease has negative impacts but does not tear us down. These women are strong and a testimony to how diverse yet similar and determined this community is. Christine, from Harlem to Hollywood, I have met women who are uniting for this cause. And for many of us, the most cathartic moment is hearing that the disease is recognized and the dogma that plastic surgeons were being taught, specifically that BII is not real and breast implants are safe, was what was holding us back, really feeling like we weren't being believed. But now, thanks to millions of women who bravely shared their stories, not only did the FDA recognize BII, but they're making some changes that we all know would have saved many of us from this disease. Kristen, let's talk about impact. The FDA issued some great news this past week. On October 27, 2021, they mandated the black box warnings. Now, that means there is a warning on the box containing implants. Um, it also means that the prescribing doctor has to review a checklist so that the patient has full disclosure regarding the risks. They include a rupture screening recommendation, and they have an ingredients list and a device card, which hopefully assists should those implants ever be recalled or, you know, when they're recalled. Now, we have a link to the announcement with all the particulars on the sicktitties.com website on the resources page. Absolutely. And there were some more recalls this week. And this is a great first step. But hopefully, this means that doctors give people the full disclosure as to the entire cost of the implants, specifically the financial and the physical risks, as well as the emotional impact implants can have. Also, there are some amazing people working to get the Medical Device Safety Act back in front of Congress. But until then, women are the full disclosure and their stories are saving lives. People need to understand the full scope of this disease and the PTSD many patients have given the diagnostic and treatment process they went through. Totally. Well, today I learned that in order to survive, you have to fight the system that does not know how to serve you. And regardless of what obstacles you face, follow your instinct. These women did, and it is paying off. You have to be your own best advocate. We cannot say this enough. You have to be your own best advocate. And don't let other people tell you how you're feeling because they can totally hijack your sense of self. Yes, and the emotional impact can be the greatest barrier. You obviously need to avoid shame and guilt. And the key thing that leads to healing is finding the serenity in the journey. 
knowing what we can control and what we can't. We need to embrace the situation as it is and attack the problem, not the people. Remember, education is most empowering, driving change. I think that when women share their stories, it's what changes things. I was raised that you don't challenge authority like doctors, et cetera. And this disease has made me empower myself in all areas of my life. And raising awareness seems to be the best medicine. Exactly. And one of the key steps these women took was to ask for help. They did not accept that this was their fault and they provided their doctor with the facts. And thank God they had doctors that helped them avoid the shame spiral. Yes, it's so important to remember that we've been through a chronic long-term illness and it takes time to heal. And it's important to recognize the toll it takes on you and your emotions and take time not to just heal physically, but also learn what it takes to overcome the depression, anxiety, anger, and fear that we all experience. For me, it was just important to be okay not being okay, I think. I hope you know you can tell me anything. I'm always here for you if you need somebody to talk to or a shoulder to lean on. I do, and I'm lucky to have gathered a kind group of family and friends who can help me when times are bleak. Those are the times we really need to be able to reach out and find the support we need. It's not easy when things aren't going great. Together, we are not alone. We are not alone. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine has been brought to you by B Noble Media Group and iHeartRadio. A very special thanks to our guests, Eden Sassoon and Reverend Tawana Davis. You can find both women on Instagram. Eden is at Eden Sassoon, which is at E-D-E-N-S-A-S-S-O-O-N. And Reverend Tawana Davis is at rev.ms.t. That's at R-E-V dot M-S dot T-E-E. Now I'd like to share some gratitude. A very special thanks to iHeartRadio, Joara Parker, and her iHeartRadio marketing team. And a big, big thanks to our executive producer, Ramsey Yant. If you or someone you know would like to know more about breast implant illness, please visit sicktitties.com. That's S-I-C-K-T-I-T-T-I-E-S dot com. Also, please follow us on Instagram at sick.titties and at B Noble Art, that's B-N-O-B-L-E-A-R-T. And we would also love to have you join our Facebook page at B Noble on B-I-I. And please remember, you're not alone. Together, we can beat this. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the opinions of iHeartMedia or its employees. This podcast should not be used as medical advice, mental health advice, mental health counseling or therapy, or as imparting any healthcare recommendations at all. Individuals are advised to seek independent medical counseling advice and or therapy from a competent healthcare professional with respect to any medical condition, mental health issues, health inquiry or matter, including matters discussed on this podcast. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.